The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of North Carolina once again. Um, had a little trouble this week, and I apologize for that for those who like to view the show via our social media sites. Um, but I tried my best to, to – we were setting up some things with family to come up into the mountains and uh, tried to find out the data stream for their Internet. And unfortunately, they're on satellite, which means it's almost like dial-up. It's a little bit faster than dial-up, um, but uh, I can only do the audio here. And so with that said, I did upload the video yesterday. It was available in the archive on sonsoflibertymedia.com, but it took almost 12 hours, <laughs> 12 hours to upload the video. So I'm going to do that again today. The video will be available later on today uh, in the archives. The podcast will be up pretty quickly. If you want to uh, check us out, please go to sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, uh, I did put in the Red State player on the right side of the page um, so that other people can hear who uh, would normally be watching by video and made them aware of that. We'll replace that with the podcast as soon as I get that up in the next hour after the show. And then also while you're there, if you would, right there on the right side of the page, there's a place where you can put your email in. If you're on a mobile device, if you use something like Chrome, you can pull up the desktop version. You can see the right side of the page. Otherwise, you'll just see the articles that are up there. But if you put your email in, that's a way you can support us. Each day, we send you one email. It has our articles, mine and Bradley's. Bradley comes on at 3 p.m., by the way. You can catch that on sonsoflibertymedia.com as well. We don't rent your email out. We don't sell it. We don't spam you or anything like that. We just give you one email a day that keeps you up to date with um, the articles that we put out each day. And you get that seven days a week, um, 365 days a year. And if you would like to support us at the Sons of Liberty, uh, we have needs. We don't have our hand out until you, you know, have seed faith and do all this stuff. If you can't afford to do it, we're not asking you to go in debt for us, okay? But it does cost money to do the things that we do on the Internet, on radio, and also as we go out and spread the word of our Christian and constitutional heritage with people throughout the United States, 
live, one-on-one, face-to-face, you can click the donate button right at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com, and you can make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us as a son or daughter of liberty. Go to the top of the page. There's a Become a Son or Daughter of Liberty link. You can click that, and you can set that up, and once a month it'll come out as you set it up on a bank on a bank account or a credit card, whatever you want to do. And uh, we appreciate your support in that. And you can also support us by going to our store, which is also at sonslibertymedia.com, right there at the top. Click on the store. We've got T-shirts, hats, winter. They call them winter caps. I call them toboggans. Um, I we've got those in there as well. <laughs> and coffee mugs. We've got a new coffee mug. You guys like the Resistance to Tyranny uh, that has a red inside. It's black on the outside with our Resistance to Tyranny logo on the coffee mug those are now available with a blue inside uh so you can pick that up in our store and i think they run about 15 dollars or something they're a big coffee mug though and uh, we appreciate your support in that all right guys um there's some news out today and we posted at sonslibertymedia.com this comes from our friend john whitehead at the rutherford institute and i'm going to be talking about this issue of guns because this administration that's come in, now understand something. The Second Amendment attacks did not stop under the Trump administration. They just weren't voiced. And this is something, again, this is where a lot of the Trump supporters, you're going to have to come to grips with. There were things going on that conservatives didn't know about. They either didn't know about it or they justified them. Or I can tell you this. And I can tell you from experience, I've worked for conservatives, Christians, who don't want the conservatives and the GOP to be outed for their unconstitutional and lawless actions. Let me say that again. I've worked for people who didn't want that out. They wanted, look, Tim, don't say anything about that. We've got an audience that, you know, they want to hear about this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do that. These people work for the people. And I don't care if they have an R or a D on their jersey. The fact of the matter is they're held to the same law, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat or Independent or Libertarian or whoever they are. They take the oath on the Bible before man and God that they're going to uphold the Constitution. They're going to get held to account here on this radio show and on Bradley's show in the afternoon. The Sons of Liberty hold all of them to the same standard the Bible, and the Constitution. But what they do is they say, well, then write all the stuff about the Democrats. That's how they get around it. And that's why I don't want to be a conservative echo chamber here. That's not what what the Sons of Liberty are about. We're about trying to get to the truth. And the fact of the matter is... Under the Trump administration, this, that bump stock ban that everybody says was a big nothing. Oh, you know, you can't hit anything with the bump stock. Oh, it's just a waste of ammo. I don't care about that. Well, you better care about it because it's a violation of the law. The executive branch does not get to legislate any more than the judicial branch does. And that's what they did. And they not only did it, they did it ex post facto. We don't even give Congress ex post facto legislation permission, authority to do. And the Trump administration did that by declaring, redefining what a machine gun is. And and by the way, I don't think Congress gets to do that either. The Second Amendment is clear. Shall not be infringed means something. means that right to keep and bear arms, and it doesn't just mean guns. 
It can mean knives. It can mean bazookas. It can mean whatever that can be used as a weapon. It shall not be infringed. And it's tied to the militia, which we've talked about before, is to enforce the laws of the union. And we're going to hit on some of that during the show today. But one of the things that's come out uh, from John Whitehead, and he just posted this yesterday, and I reposted it this morning. Major civil rights attorney warns, and that's John Whitehead from the Rutherford Institute, police are carrying out warrantless home invasions in order to seize guns as part of community caretaking duties. I kid you not. Police are, I told you about the police. And I'm not trying to broad brush police, but listen, they are agents of the state. The people who come for your guns are going to be your police officer. That thin blue line, they're going to be the guys who do it. And if they're not taking a stand against unlawful orders, I don't care what they are, and unconstitutional orders, you, could, you should consider them as not your friend. I'm going to tell you that. Here's what John writes. The Rutherford Institute has issued a warning over police attempting to carry out warrantless home invasions in order to seize lawfully owned guns under the pretext of their so-called, quote, community caretaking duties, end quote. In an amicus brief filed in Coniglia versus Strom, Institute attorneys have asked the U.S. Supreme Court to reject police claims that the community caretaking exception to the Fourth Amendment and the Second Amendment, I would say, which allow police to conduct warrantless searches of vehicles relating to accident investigations and provide aid to, quote, citizens who are ill or in distress should be expanded to allow police to enter a home without a warrant and seize lawfully possessed firearms based on concerns that the guns might be misused. Folks, this is nothing more than the minority report. It's pre-crime. It's not that a crime's been committed. That is a, look, these are not just protections of the Fourth Amendment. They're of the Fifth Amendment, too. Your liberty, your property is not to be taken. Unless you're convicted of a crime, unless you've been indicted. I mean, this is clear violation of the rights of the people. Whitehead continues. He says, this case represents a blatant attempt by law enforcement and, and I would say law enforce, enforcement falsely so-called. Our Constitution has one law enforcement. It's the militia, period. That's it. That's all the law enforcement that's listed in there except the president, and he's the one to call them up to enforce the laws. This case represents a blatant attempt by law enforcement to create gaping holes in the Fourth Amendment force field that is supposed to protect homeowners and their homes against warrantless invasions by the government. What we need to do is yet another excuse me what we need what we do not need is yet another slippery slope argument that allows government officials to masquerade as community caretakers under the pretext of public health and safety in order to violate the 4th amendment at, at will. Amen. That's exactly right. So what happened in 2000 I think the numbers got switched up there in 2015 Kim Caniglia of Cranston, Rhode Island, contacted police requesting a welfare check on her 68-year-old husband, Edward. See, I'm going to tell you, these checks, quit calling the police to do that. Call somebody that's family. Call a neighbor. Call anybody but the police. 
You guys remember the chick who was in ER and they called the police for a well visit and they ended up, yeah, she had some mental problems. They ended up shooting her and killing her. <laughs> oh, we're, we're scared you're going to harm yourself. We'll just do it for you. Call friends, call family, call anybody but the police. They're really not trained to deal with that kind of stuff. They really aren't. So she calls to get uh, her husband, Edward, checked on, whom she had not spoken to since they got into an argument the night before. At one point during the argument, Edward retrieved his unloaded handgun. That was just an expensive rock. Slammed the gun on a table dramatically and told Kim, why don't you just shoot me and get me out of my misery? When Kim failed to reach Edward by phone the next day, she contacted the police expressing the concern that Edward might be suicidal. <laughs> when the police called Edward to check on him and later drove to his home, they reported that Edward seemed fine, was mostly calm, and told them that he would never commit suicide. Edward explained that his just-shoot-me statement was made out of frustration because he was sick of arguing with Kim. I think people can understand that. doesn't mean you're suicidal. Despite Edward's rational demeanor, police took him into custody. <laughs> Based on nothing, on, on the wife's word, without any evidence, and they even say he seemed rational and calm. But they took him into custody anyway. And sent him for a psychiatric examination at a local hospital. You talk about tyranny, man. That is tyranny right there. While Edward was at the hospital, police entered his home and seized his handguns, despite having promised not to do so without any warrant. Edward Coniglia sued the police, alleging that the warrantless entry into his home and seizure of his lawfully owned firearms violated the Fourth Amendment's prohibitions on unreasonable searches and seizures, and I would say the Fifth Amendment, too, of taking his property. The lower courts ruled in favor of the police. Of course they did. They're all corrupt in this matter. This is why the whole system needs to be dissolved. And as Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence, new government instituted for the protections of the people and the securing of their rights. The lower courts ruled in favor of the police who defended their actions by claiming the warrantless entry and seizure fell within the, quote, community caretaking exception of the Fourth Amendment. There is no community caretaking in the Fourth Amendment. There's none of that in there. No, it says what you have to do. Somebody's got to sign off on that. Somebody's got to testify to that. Somebody's got to get a warrant and put their hind parts on the line for when they violate the law like this, they can be held accountable. So there you go. That's the first thing. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, we've got a guy who just took office, fraudulently, by the way, China Joe. You will not hear him called the president on this radio show. You won't. And it's not because I play the Trump-Biden card. It's because this guy got into office by election fraud. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. You cannot get the anomalies of hundreds of thousands of ballots changing almost instantaneously in certain states without that kind of manipulation. Okay? And here's China Joe. He has a very lengthy 
piece on JoeBiden.com. And I'll have this linked up so you can read it because there's a bunch here. I'm going to read a couple of things. I'm going to play some video clips. And then we're going to talk about this issue of the Second Amendment and specifically guns. Okay? But I don't want you to think of the Second Amendment just as guns, as we've said before. The Second Amendment is about real law enforcement, not the guys in blue, but you and me, the people, the militia. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. We are to be the law enforcers. I keep saying it over and over. People say, what do we do? You need to start getting with somebody who has been elected to office. Your sheriff probably would be a good place to start. Petitioning that sheriff. Get people in your community to petition that sheriff to start training the people in the community. He's going to need you one day if he's a constitutional sheriff. Get in touch with uh, Richard Mack with Constitutional Sheriffs and Police Association or CSOPA. I'll get the link up for that too. Get your sheriff trained to be a constitutional sheriff. Start forming a lawfully recognized militia to enforce the law in your community. According to the Constitution, that's lawful. Now, here's Joe Biden's website. And again, I'll have this link up so people can check it out in a minute. And I'm going to play a, a montage clip in just a moment uh, of Biden and what he says he is aiming to do during his time with his executive pen. This is under the title, The Biden Plan to End Our Gun Violence Epidemic. You know what? We don't have a gun violence epidemic. Let me just put this in. What we have is a wicked heart abandoning of God and God abandoning of people of a rebellious nation. We've got that kind of an epidemic. We've got that kind of problem in society, one that is desperately in need of repentance. You do not fix that by taking away inanimate objects, whether they be knives, pencils, forks, guns, baseball bats. You don't, you don't stop the human heart in its wickedness. I'll give you a prime example. Go back to the beginning. The first murder committed in history came when Cain killed Abel. Now, I don't know what he had, a rock, a knife, maybe he had a log. I don't know. But he killed his brother. He didn't have a gun. See, when you take away one instrument, the wicked heart finds something else to do the deed with. And it starts in the heart. Jesus said, if you hate your brother without cause, he didn't talk about an, a, a righteous indignation. He talked about you hate him without cause. He just made you mad. Maybe he told you the truth about something. Stephen told the Sanhedrin the truth there in Acts chapter 7, didn't he? Led them all along about their history, called them out for their wickedness and their sinfulness of killing the Son of God. And what did they do? They rose up, kicked him out, and stoned him. Mm-hmm. It was in their hearts. Had nothing to do with the rocks on the ground. Had to do with what was in their hearts. So here's Biden. Here's what he writes. I'm just going to read a couple of lines here. He says, Joe Biden knows that gun violence is a public health epi- epidemic. It's not. It really isn't. Almost 40,000 people die as a result of firearm injuries every year in the United States, and many more are wounded. How many people die from car accidents? Why isn't Joe Biden dealing with that epidemic? How many people die from, uh, this one's a good one to bring up now, uh, during the whole co nonsense. 
How many people die from pharmaceutical drugs and medical malpractice? Go look up those numbers. I don't see Joe Biden talking about that because he's getting dollars in his pocket for that. Yeah, he's not interested in that kind of an epidemic. Some of these deaths and injuries are the result of mass shootings that make national headlines. There are very few, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I'll have some, if I don't get to all of this, I'll have the links up to where you can see that mass shootings make up very little of any of these things, these 40,000 people that die as a result of firearm injuries. They make up very little. Others are the result of daily acts of gun violence or suicides that may not make national headlines, but are just as devastating to the families and communities left behind. Joe Biden has taken on the National Rifle Association on the national stage and won twice. In 1993, he shepherded through Congress the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act. Well, you know what? He may have won, but he was acting lawlessly. Because the Second Amendment is pretty dang clear. It's pretty clear. Shall not be infringed. That has meaning. This Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, which established the background check system, which, by the way, is un-American because what it does is it, it assumes you're guilty and unable to have the right to keep and bear a firearm. you got to purchase one first. But that you have the inability to do that. And you have to prove your innocence. It's completely backwards to the Fifth Amendment, by the way, which says your liberty is not to be infringed upon unless you've committed a crime. And it claims since kept more than 3 million firearms out of dangerous hands. That's not always the case. Got a veteran friend that writes for us on occasion, down in Louisiana. A veteran, not committed a crime, no dangerous hands. And he was denied a pistol permit because the Nick system was wrong. And then he worked with Diane Feinstein, that criminal traitor tied to China. Nothing ever came out of that in the Trump administration, did it? Remember, she had a a driver and an advisor in her office. 20 years. Chinese espionage. We don't see anything happen to Feinstein. Work with her to secure the passage of 10-year bans on assault weapons, whatever that is, and high-capacity magazines. And what happened? Nothing. Didn't affect anything. Didn't affect anything. By the way, the numbers on that gun violence was already going down before they passed that. You see, I'm going to show you in a minute. The more guns that you have, usually, the less crime you have. And and that's in multiple studies. It's not just one that you pull out here and there. It's in multiple studies. Joe Biden got behind Obama with this Sandy Hook nonsense, trying to push all kinds of executive orders. They couldn't get their laws through. Their their fake laws, their pretended laws. You know why? Because the people weren't going to have it. And this is where the people were blind under the Trump administration. They allowed the bump stock ban. And I'm telling you what, that sets it up for the semi-automatic weapon ban. 
because you can bump fire without a bump stock. What's the next step? Oh, well, you can do that. And if people learn to do this, oh, they can, they can simulate a machine gun. That's, that, that'll be the argument. You watch and see. Echo triggers, that'll be targeted too. Despite the fact, and the irony is this, those things were passed under the Obama ATF, the Unconstitutional Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. All those were, were put in place under them, and it's the Trump administration that was attacking those things. Under the Trump administration, red flag laws were pushed the DOJ under the Trump administration were bribing states to implement red flag gun laws. They're unconstitutional. As we had constitutional attorney and scholar Dr. Edwin Vieira on to talk about red flag gun laws. They violate more than half of the Bill of Rights in most cases. Let me play you a little clip here. This runs about four and a half minutes But this is a Biden's anti-gun agenda. What exactly is that from from Biden's perspective? Well, let's get it from his own mouth. Here we go. To to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. There's no legal way that I'm aware of that you could deny them the right if they had purchased, legally purchased them. But we can, in fact, make a major effort to get them off the street and out of the possession of people. Biden has created a law that allows people to sue you for something that is currently not even being asked for. I got assault weapons banned. I got magazines that could not hold more than 10 rounds in them. I got them eliminated. If I'm elected and I'm coming for you and gun manufacturers, I'm going to take you on and I'm going to beat you. I did not say that. I did not say that. I want to make something clear. I'm going to guarantee you this is not last year's scene of this guy. You're going to take care of the gun problem with me. You're going to be the one that leads this effort. I'm counting on you. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. I would try to, I would institute a national buyback program. If we're able to pass mandatory buybacks and I'm able to sign that into law, then I fully expect our fellow Americans to turn in their AR-15s and their AK-47s. For anyone who does not and is caught in possession or seen in possession of one of these weapons of war, one of these instruments of terror, um, that weapon will be taken from them, taken from them, and they will be fined. Uh, And if they should persist in continuing to to use and to buy these weapons, then there will be other consequences, consequences in the criminal code. We're not sitting around waiting for a tragedy to occur. By my 100th day in office when elected president of the United States, the United States Congress fails to put a, a bill on my desk to sign with all of the good ideas or any of the good ideas, then I am prepared to take executive action because that's what's needed. Executive action. action. To do what? To do specifically for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they will be required to perform background checks on the people they sell them to. And this will be the most comprehensive 
background check policy that has ever been had in our country thus far. Can that I be done prepared, by executive order? Yes. I'm also prepared to say and to direct the ATF to remove and take away the licenses of gun dealers who fail to follow the law. There's no threat to the Second Amendment by telling people there are certain weapons they cannot own. If you want to protect yourself, get a double-barrel shotgun. You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use, and in fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. I support the Second Amendment, and I also support the need for universal background checks. I also support the need for assault weapons ban. I also support the need for smart gun safety laws. Do you believe in the mandatory buyback of quote-unquote assault weapons? I do believe that we need to do buybacks. I'm prepared to take executive action and put in place a ban on the importation of assault weapons into our country. Senator Harris, you have said that you would take executive action on guns within your first 100 days, including right. banning imports of AR-15 assault weapons. That's right. Biden's saying there's no constitutional authority to issue that executive order when they say I'm going to eliminate assault weapons, saying you can't do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can. There's no constitutional authority. Some things you can. Many things you can't. Let's let the senator answer. Oh, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. <laughs> let's be constitutional. We got a constitution. And yes, we can. Second Amendment. No amendment is, in fact, absolute. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, I'm not interested in promoting uh, Donald Trump Jr. here. Um, I like the video though. The video is um, is a pretty good montage of what's going on there. One of the things that we have to keep in mind though is these people come out and they tell you they support the Second Amendment. They do no such thing. Ask them if they support a constitutional militia to enforce the law. When they tell you that they want to get assault weapons, whatever that is. Because we're not even talking about assault weapons. We're talking about semi-automatic rifles. And by the way, it's not just semi-automatic rifles. Go back and read what Feinstein wanted to put in in 2013 following the Sandy Hook incident. She wanted your handguns that were semi-automatic too. She basically wanted you to walk around with one of them stupid little guns that have one bullet in them or a revolver. That's it. That's what they wanted to leave you with, America. Despite the fact that the militia is to be able to put down insurrections and repel invasions, you ain't doing that with a pea shooter. You're not doing that with a pea shooter. But I'll tell you this. You ask them, do you want Capitol Hill police to have um, those assault weapons? Do you want Capitol Hill police to have semi-automatic rifles? Oh, yes, we have to have that to protect ourselves from the people, those crazy people who will storm the Capitol. <laughs> what about police in your cities? Do you want those? Oh, yes, we got to have those there because they got to deal with violent crime and they got to deal with drug dealers and, and we even have to militarize them. They need, they need to look like they come from Iraq. We got to get them tanks in the street and all this stuff. That's what, that's what they want to do. And why? Because they protect their corrupt selves. Understand that. It is to protect their own corrupt selves. Now, I probably am not going to have time to deal with all of what I want to do. So I'm going to have some links here to some things for studies, okay? 
Uh, one is going to be the impact of gun ownership rates on crime rates. This, is come, this comes from the Journal of Criminal Justice. Another one um, comes from the Heritage Foundation, Eight Stubborn Facts on Gun Violence in America. Both of them are pretty good in explaining the more guns that are available in a particular area, the less crime is. It's just a fact. It's just facts. It's not emotion. It's the facts. But I want to give you a couple of examples. I don't know if any of you guys are aware, uh, but there are at least five American cities in which there is mandatory gun ownership. Now, I like the sound of that. I don't know about you, but I like the sound of that. Now, the only, exempt, the only exemptions are people of conscience who don't think that they— And Look, I'm not into forcing people to own guns. I'm really not into forcing them to do that if it's against their conscience. But I'll tell you this. If you're a person like that and you claim to be a Christian, you really need to look at the totality— the totality of Scripture. We're going to hit on some of that in just a little bit before the end of the show. And what your duty is to your family, to your neighbors. Some people will say, well, this is a violation of the the command, you shall not kill. Wait a minute. That's you shall not murder. That's what that means. Because the Bible also has in place that we put to death those who commit capital crimes. So how do you reconcile the two? Well, you reconcile the two in... If you take a life in order to preserve life, for instance, somebody's got a gun pointed at several people, and you take out the bad guy and you save those people's lives, you are preserving life, you are taking out the bad guy. Okay, That would be, a, that would be one instance. There would be many scenarios we could pull up, but that would be one. There are five cities that I know of that have mandatory gun ownership. And with that, Obviously, you need to train on how to use that weapon and how to be safe with it so that you don't go shooting yourself in the foot or the head or, you know, misfiring and shooting somebody in your, in your household. You, we don't want that either. But that's a responsibility issue. Here's the, here's the cities that we have in America that have mandatory gun ownership. Virgin, Utah. In 2000, the city council passed an ordinance making firearm ownership mandatory. The mayor at the time encouraged this move because most citizens had already owned guns. Good. I'll guarantee you, you'll find a low rate of crime there. You'll like this one. Gun Barrel City. I didn't even know there was such a name. Gun Barrel City, Texas. Gun Barrel got its fitting name as a safe haven for outlaws like Bonnie and Clyde during the Prohibition era. The city's motto is, we shoot straight with you. I love that. Gun Barrel City, Texas. The third one is Nucla, Colorado. I guess that's how you pronounce it. N-U-C-L-A. Nucla became the first city to mandate gun ownership in Colorado. With just around 700 people, Nucla passed what they call the, quote, Home Protection Ordinance in 2013. But they don't actually enforce it. Well, then, what's, what's the point of having laws that you don't enforce? By the way, this would have been the same kind of idea around the start of the country, that men, uh, young men, and would, would have their own gun, they would have their own bullets, they would have their own gunpowder, and they would train. That was to be part of their duty. In fact, if I recall correctly, I wrote on this before, 
That was a mandate that the men have that. Nelson, Georgia is another one. Nelson unanimously passed an ordinance making gun ownership mandatory in 2013. And one of the most famous cities with mandatory gun laws is Kennesaw, Georgia. Now, I did write on this several years ago. I'm going to refer back to that just to give you an idea of what kind of impact was there. But Kennesaw is the most well-known gun mandate in the country. In 1982... A law, I mean, we're talking about what? That's almost 40 years now. A law was passed requiring heads of households to own at least one firearm. And several of these cities have sort of taken from their example. Why would they do that? Why would they take an example from Kennesaw, Georgia? Let me take a few minutes here just to kind of give you an understanding of why they would do that. I wrote this after the uh, shooting that happened out in Aurora, Colorado. Remember that? The theater, the Batman, the Dark Knight Rises, or whatever it was that was going on then. Uh, We were told this guy, James Holmes, did it, even though there was really a lot of questionable stuff that was going on around that, Uh, whether he was a patsy, whether he did it or not, I, I don't know. And then later in prison, he's supposed to become a Muslim. Well, I wrote this one in... 2012. I'll have a link up so you can read it yourself. But here's the ordinance that was passed in 1982 by the city of Kennesaw, section 34-21, and it reads this. A, in order to provide for the emergency management of the city, and further in order to provide for and protect the safety, security, and general welfare of the city and its inhabitants, every head of household residing in the city limits is required to maintain a firearm together with ammunition, therefore. B, Exempt from the effect of this section are those heads of households who suffer a physical or mental disability which would prohibit them from using such a firearm. Further exempt from the effect of this section are those heads of households who are paupers, that means they're poor, or who conscientiously oppose maintaining firearms as a result of beliefs or religious doctrine, or persons convicting of a, or persons convicted of a felony. That was it. Pretty simple. Now, What happened? Well, um, I wrote about that. And in that, this was some of the the information that that I provided there. Uh, David Copel, he's a great writer, um, and we carry some of his stuff on our gun site. He's a gun rights activist. He claims the law reduced the rate of burglaries in the first year. The number of burglaries prior to the ordinance were 65. It's a small town there. The following years, 1983 and 84, showed dramatic drops in burglaries down to 26 from 65, and then to 11. Newsmax also confirmed the drop that Copel claims. And the city proclaimed on its website, Kennesaw, once again, was in the news on May 1st, 1982, when the city unanimously passed a law requiring every household to maintain a firearm together with ammunition. After passage of the law, the burglary rate in Kennesaw declined, and even today, the city has the lowest crime rate in Cobb County. Gary DeMar, um, he runs American Vision down in Georgia. He lives near Kennesaw, uh, Kennesaw, writes about the virtually non-existent murder rate. He says, in fact, from 1982 through 2009, that's what? 
20, it's more than 25 years, Kennesaw had been nearly murder-free with one murder occurring in 2007. Now check this out. There were three murders in 2010 committed by the same man in what is described as a quote-unquote school safety zone. That's one of those gun-free zones, okay? See, they should have made this apply to the universities, too, and told the feds to take a hike. An area extending 1,000 feet from any school, including adult colleges and technical schools. That's what a school safety zone was. This means that even though Kennesaw has the most liberal gun laws in the United States, employees at the facility where the murders were committed could not have a gun on the premises. That's Kennesaw. Now, again, keep in mind, I had written this in 2012. Compare that to, the, to at the time, Kennesaw to New York City, a place where the mayor says that the police should go on strike until people demand more gun control laws from their legislators. In 2010 alone, New York City saw 515 murders. As of May 18, 2012, there were already... 136 murders in the city at that time that I wrote it. And if you go back to 1990, where there were 2,245 murders, compare that to DeMar's numbers for Kennesaw. Now, obviously, there's a tremendous difference in the population. You've got millions of people in New York City. You've got not millions of people in Kennesaw, Georgia. But you can still do a ratio of proportions there, and they're nowhere near each other. They're not even close. Everywhere where there is high gun control laws in place, there is high crime. Everywhere. I don't care where you go. You can go to Los Angeles. You can go to Chicago. You can go to New York City. You can go to any of these metropolitan areas where you've got these people who are basically communists. That's what they are. They don't tell you that, but that's what they are. That's what their idea. They'll tell you they love America. They love the Constitution. They'll be like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Oh, we support the Second Amendment. No, you don't. No, you don't. It says shall not be infringed. You don't believe in that. We support the Constitution. No, you don't. We, we want background checks. Again, it's a violation of the Fifth Amendment. It's denying you your liberty. At the time, not only the murder rate was an issue in New York City, but their ridiculous gun laws. And you guys remember... Um, Mark Meckler, uh, you know, I don't really care too much for Mr. Meckler, but the fact of the matter was he was a Tea Party leader. I don't care for him because of his push for the, the Article 5 stuff. He was arrested for having his weapons declared and in a locked box with ammunition as he traveled from New York to California. And he faced up to 15 years, but instead pled guilty and was fined $250 and given a one-year conditional discharge. And you can take Marine Ryan Jerome, who traveled to New York City with his 45 Ruger for protection as he was handling $15,000 worth of gold. And when he attempted to do the right thing and check his weapon at the Empire State Building, he was arrested. He wasn't... 
he let them know, hey, I have a gun here. This is what I'm doing. I'm you know, transporting $15,000 worth of gold. Just want you guys to know I'm armed. That became a misdemeanor charge for him. And in his case, he pled guilty and was fined $1,200 and required to perform 10 hours of community service for what? For exercising a constitutionally protected right that's not only recognized at the federal level, but the states adhere to that too. Every person elected to office, local or state, takes the same oath to uphold the Constitution, which declares that it is a right of the people to keep and bear arms. Period. End of discussion. That's what it says. And yet these people are treated like common criminals, like they're in some kind of gang or something. Ironically, in Jerome's case, the guy I just mentioned, this former Marine, Another young lady from Tennessee also had a misdemeanor charge, but walked out with no community service and only a $200 fine. They wanted to make an example out of him. He had fought for those rights, or that's what he was told as a Marine. He was told he was fighting for rights and freedom. We all know what the military is being used for these days. It isn't for rights and freedom and the protection of the American people. It's for the military-industrial complex. It's for corporations. It's for all kinds of special interests. But they're told they're still fighting for our freedom. I mean, there is just... And, and, and the difference in how things are done. The Kennesaw Police Department at the time only had 63 officers total. Okay? In New York City, they have a small army. If I'm not mistaken, they run about what could be considered the seventh largest army in the world, New York City does. They have 35,000 uniformed officers, not, not the, the guys on the beat, okay? That's in their counterterrorism unit alone. 35,000. That's not in counting, countering the guys in blue that you see on the street and stuff. This is counterterrorism, guys, just in that unit. You tell me that's not a police state. Come on, man. I mean, I was born on a day. It wasn't yesterday. I can figure that out. Now, what do we got here? And I apologize if anybody can hear what's going on upstairs. It's, it's pretty soundproof, but the family's together, and they're a little excited. So if you hear them over, I apologize for that. I can't do anything about it. Um, what is the issue? What is... We, we've talked about what the Constitution says about these things. You have a president, excuse me, you have a fraudulently elected man in the People's White House along with his, how shall we say this, political prostitute as vice president. Both of them have shown how lawless they are in the offices that they've held previously, whether it was a senator, both of them have been senators, a vice president, or as an attorney general in the state of California, they've shown how lawless they are. Okay? They won't uphold the Constitution. They've already shown it here in the first week or so they've been in, in, in the People's White House. Neither one of them have any intentions of upholding the Constitution, protecting your rights, or anything else. They, they are intent on running roughshod over it. And you know what? Where, where's impeachment on that? Oh, no, no, we can't impeach them because they're, they're, they're doing our agenda. 
We, we, we can't we can't bring any of this stuff up, especially the stuff on guns, because we want that gun legislation going forward. We want those background checks in place. Remember Thomas Massey, Republican from Kentucky, a congressman. He warned the people, Democrats and Republicans are going after your Second Amendment rights. And they're not just going after those. They're going after the Fifth Amendment ones, too, and the Fourth Amendment through the red flag gun laws. And they're going to use that red flag gun laws to go after your First Amendment. And by the way, the guy who put that on the stage was none other than President Donald Trump. After Parkland, I believe we ought to take the guns first, due process second. That's not the way it works. And yet, that's what they were doing. They were, they were doing the very thing that they swore they wouldn't do when they swore to uphold the Constitution. Now, many people believe that they should be that, that Jesus Christ taught pacifism. If Jesus Christ taught pacifism, then he was teaching something contrary to what the law provided for in the Old Testament, which means he would not have been upholding what was there and teaching something contrary to what Scripture taught. They'll often cite Matthew five thirty-eight through thirty-nine where Jesus said, You have heard not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Okay? The Sermon on the Mount, which is where this passage was taken from, is actually a reiteration of the law. It's not putting a new law out there. It's a reiteration of the law that was given on Sinai. Because this oral tradition of the Jews had come in, these people who held to the Babylonian Talmud and all of the corruption that they brought in, Jesus would say, you've heard it said, but I say to you. He was correcting their misunderstandings. So what is the, what is the issue here? Well, again, Jesus is correcting their misunderstandings. He would go to, it is written. He would go to Scripture for what he was saying. He would take the religious leaders and he would say on their teaching an eye for an eye, applying to private revenge. Now, is eye for an eye in the Old Testament? Yeah, but it was part of due process and part of the just punishment. In other words, if you went over there and gouged out your brother's eye, your eye was to be taken out. Not out of revenge, but as an issue of justice. You maimed your brother's hand. You get it done to your hand. Same thing. Tooth for tooth. You knock a tooth out, you get to lose a tooth. And so, Christ condemned false teaching. He said, Whoever therefore breaks one of the commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So he's not teaching something different than what was taught in the Old Testament. Jesus never taught something different than what was in the the law itself. Otherwise, what would he be doing? He'd be contradicting himself. And Jesus doesn't contradict himself. So what are some of the things? Exodus 22, verses 2 and 3 tells us, if the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. Nobody was committing murder. Nobody was premeditating anything. People thought their life was in danger because you got a guy breaking into your house. And he's a thief. He's a burglar. He's coming in at night. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. 
Now, some people don't like that idea, but the fact of the matter is the guy's coming in to steal something at night. You don't know who he is, what he has, anything else. You kill him, no guilt on you. If the sun's up, in other words, you can see clearly he has no weapon in his hand or whatever, and you hold him off, then he's to restore you for what he was trying to steal from you. And if he can't restore it, he's to be sold. In other words, he is to give his efforts to make it right to you, not to the state, but to you. That is restitution. That would be justice. He's not to spend six months, a year in jail where you got to pay to keep him up. That's an injustice to him and to you. This is why the American prison system is unlaw is lawless, but it's to keep up the prison industrial complex. They have quotas they have to fill, which is why they come up with some of the stupid laws they have to put you in a cage. In Proverbs 25, 26, we read, A righteous man who falters between the wicked is like a murky spring in a polluted well. Here's, here's, here's the disconnect. Christian people will say, we shouldn't have guns. We should just trust God. Okay. Are you okay with police having guns? Well, yeah, they're here to protect us. No, they're not. They're under no moral obligation. Not, they're under moral obligation, yes, but no under legal obligation, according to the Supreme Court, to protect you from anything. Do, does, does the military need weapons? Oh, yes, they need. Well, wait a minute. Let's be consistent here. You know, in 1 Timothy 5.8, we're told when dealing with, with widows, okay, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he's denied the faith is worse than an unbeliever. Now, that doesn't just mean making sure they got food and this, that, and the other. It's far more than that. Even protecting them, caring for them, against those who would seek to do them harm. Same thing for dealing with your, your family. And I've heard men say, oh, well, you know, I know I would go to heaven, so I, I, I just couldn't bring myself if somebody broke in my house is going to do all kinds of harm in my family to hurt, to hurt them. Well, you're, not, you're worse than an unbeliever, and you've denied the faith. Your faith calls you to action, not inaction, not pacifism. It calls you to action. There's much more I can do. I'm going to have several links here uh, of articles, of studies that I didn't get a chance to go to because the hour goes really short. But uh, you guys, we couldn't have Kate on today because of the lack of Internet. So next Saturday, Lord willing, we'll have her back. You guys have a great weekend and a great Lord's Day. And uh, hopefully we'll be back to normal on Monday. Again, check us out at sonslibertymedia.com. Till then, see you.